I have refined you, but not as silver, Rue. Last week we looked at trusting God in his sovereignty. Trusting that while we are in that fiery furnace, while we are in the trials and the afflictions of our life, he is working out a better plan. That while we are in that place, he is molding us and shaping us. Romans 9 tells us this. How could you say, whoops, excuse me while I just scroll down. But who, but who are you, O oh man, to answer back God? Will what is molded say to his molder? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another dishonorable use? Who are we? To look at the sovereignty of God who has placed us in this fiery furnace of trial and affliction and say, why are you molding me this way? God in his sovereignty sees all things and he's working out everything, every detail in your life for his good. Let's just stop and pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for once again the opportunity that though there might be a storm outside and though there might be weather outside that prohibits us from gathering together tonight, Lord Jesus, through the blessing of this online service, we can still gather and hear from your word. Lord, I pray for everyone that is tuned in. Lord, whether we are few or many, Lord, you know the heart's you know the trials that they are in. You know the circumstances that they are facing. And I pray, God, by your sovereignty, you would speak to them. You would encourage them that, Lord, we can press through this time. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, hide me behind your cross and let only that which you have ordained to be said be said. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've ever heard the word fire, immediately you would jump to action. You see, if you saw a fire happening, you would immediately dial 911 so that the emergency response team could come and take action. You see, that is what we have been groomed to do when we respond to fire. Flee the scene. A matter of fact, every child in school will go through what they call fire drills. And when the bell in the school rings, everyone has to file out systematically and orderly so that they could learn that if in the case of a true fire, they would know exactly how to leave, how to leave safely, how to leave in a way that no one gets hurt. Oh, but God is different. When God looks at fire, he looks at it in a different way. And so tonight, I want to bring your attention to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And it says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, 
I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Psalm 60 verses 10 and 12 says this, For you, O Lord, have tested me. You have tried us as silver is tried. You have brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. You see, God's usage of fire is not the same way that the that the world uses it. Did you catch some of those phrases that we just read? Don't be surprised by the fiery trial. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. The flames shall not consume you. We went through fire and you brought us out to abundance. That was speaking of the children of Israel. That was Moses' psalm. Psalm 60 was Moses speaking of when the children of Israel went through their trying times. They went through the fire, but the Lord brought them out to abundance. We can expect the heat of life, the heat of life's trials to be raised. We can expect that there will be times when Everything just seems to be piling in. We will face difficulty. We will face discouragement. Discouragement that's going to alter everything about our lives. Everything that is going on about us. Like that, sickness can come upon us and sickness can change everything within our life. But the way, the very way... We are taught to react to the earthly fire is not the same way God desires for us to react to the fiery trials that we face from day to day. In week one of our series, I talked about uh, disappointments. What are disappointments? Disappointments, you know, the results you were looking to achieve that you didn't achieve. It's when something, when, when you want or what you were hoping for didn't happen. That medication that you took, it didn't seem to work. The papers that you were preparing to present, they weren't accepted. The evidence that you combed through, hours and hours spent combing through material to build a case, all of, all to be discarded and deemed unrelated, not worthy to be heard. Disappointment. When you were hoping for an expected end, but that expected end didn't come to flourishing. Disappointment is what the enemy will use to work against our purpose. Disappointment is what the enemy will use to to distract us from God's purposes in our life. He will use it to derail us. He will use it to cause us to fall into a downward spiral because the circumstances around us have left us to feel, you know what? I'm just going to give up. There's just no point. 
why in the end, if I'm only going to be disappointed, if I'm only going to be discouraged, why should I even bother? That's the end that the enemy wants you to walk in. That's the tone of voice that the enemy wants you to have. That's the outlook and the perspective that the enemy wants to park you in. But it leads you to a downward spiral. And what is this spiral? When disappointment takes lodging within your heart and within your mind, then discouragement settles in. And when discouragement settles in and takes root, then it lays hold to your hope. And when it lays hold to your hope, it leaves you feeling hopeless. Hopeless towards your situation. Hopeless as if there's just not a point. It's right there that we have to take captive those feelings. It's right there when we're feeling inside ourselves, you know what, there's just no point. It's right there in that moment when we are feeling hopeless, we have to take captive those thoughts. Those thoughts of despair, those thoughts of discouragement. And we have to attach them to the promises of God and say, this is not what God has purposed for me. Because he has a bigger plan. God's purpose for your life is bigger. God's purpose for your life is detached from that disappointment. God will use the circumstances that you are walking through right now to accomplish his purpose, to accomplish his plan. But they are not what defines you. Proverbs 24 verse 10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You see, if we don't take captive those thoughts, the enemy will take us captive. The enemy will take us captive in our heart and he will take us captive in our mind. But we need to be strong as Proverbs has said. We need to be strong in that day of adversity. We need to know where our strength comes from. 1 Peter 1 verses 6 and 7 says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We can't faint. We can't lose heart. We can't lose hope in the times of trials. When we go through the trials, we will come through as gold. We will come through as one refined by him. How? When our eyes are fixed on him. We have to know that when we're in the trial, it says this, for a little while, for a little while, you've been grieved by various trials. God's timetable is not the same as ours. It's not like our clock that shifts five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. God's timetable is not our timetable. And so for a little while, you've been grieved by various trials, but be encouraged. God is bringing you through these trials 
more precious than gold. When discouragement comes and raises its ugly head, when, when those thoughts that you need to flee because fire and you need to run from the situation, least you feel the intensity of the heat, least you get hurt, that's when you really need to bend your knees. That's when you need to really go before the Lord. And say, God, I know that you're working out a plan. I know that hindsight, I know that 2020 vision is going to be mine on the other side of this trial. I know that when I look back, I will see all that you are doing in me right now. But God, right now, discouragement is crouching at my door. Right now, God, I... Just want to surrender to the feelings of hopelessness. God, I need you to strengthen me in this fire. Rather than stopping to entertain the thoughts, stop to entertain what it will look like when you look through God's spectacles of time and you look back to see how he brought you through this trial. We need to know and understand that trials are not a respecter of any person. There is no one that is omitted from facing trials. We will all go through trials. Right now, someone may not be facing a trial, but tomorrow like this, they can enter into adversity, discouragement. They can enter into something that will challenge them right at their center core. Each of us will face trials at one time or another. Each of us will face adversity at one time or another. Just as today we are facing a storm outside. None of us knew what the storm would look like. The predictions were forecasted on the news. But in truth, we did not know what the storm would look like. And in, until tomorrow, we will not see the full, full scope of its effects. Until the storm has passed, we will not be able to look and say, Oh, it's not that bad of a storm. Oh, we just had a little bit of snow. For those that are driving in it, for those that have had to deliver mail, for those that have had to work in the inclement weather that we're facing, they may say a different story, but those that have been secured within their office space, within their homes, looking out the window may say, well, it's not that bad. Trials are faced by everyone. At some point in time, you're going to face a, a situation that is a fire of affliction. And the enemy will seek to flood you with discouragement. The enemy will seek to bring you down. But know this, that God allowed this situation to filter through his hands because he knows that he will try you and he will test you. you. He knows what you look like on the other side of this trial of affliction. God knows. His sovereignty 
knows my daughter, my son, will come through this fire as pure cold. Consider Joshua. He was Moses' assistant. And it says this in Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 to 21. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation, who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority, that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation. God knew what was ahead for Israel. When the day would come that Moses would be called home, called into the presence of the Lord. God knew what was ahead. He knew what was the end. And he was preparing Moses' assistant, Joshua, to be raised up and to be appointed. Why? Because Moses was concerned that the congregation of the Lord would not be as sheep without a shepherd. So God raises up Joshua. Joshua never sought out the position, but God put him in the place for such a time. And so fast forward, Moses passes away, Moses dies, and Joshua is commissioned by God to lead the people. And you open up your Bible to Joshua chapter 1, and in that first chapter, only 18 verses, there God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be very strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Verse 6. Joshua, verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Joshua, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Joshua, verse 18, be strong and courageous. He knew what was ahead for Joshua. It wasn't just about taking the people into the promised land. The Lord knew the trials that Joshua would face in that promised land. In that place of God's abundance, he knew of the Jericho wall. He knew the battle plan for that wall. And before any of these days came to pass, he said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. God says to you, daughter, God says to you, son, be strong and courageous. Don't let this fiery trial bring you down. Don't let it consume you. If you're not careful, you can read that chapter and you could miss out what God is actually saying. 
If you allow discouragement to consume you, right now in this moment, you may miss out on your next level with God. You may miss out on the next appointment that God is bringing you to. Be strong, Joshua. Be very strong and courageous. Some of you watching, some of you listening, as I speak, your, your courage is, is already diminished. Why? Because you've listened to lies of insufficiency. You've listened to the whispering of the enemy in your ear gate. Not good enough. Not qualified enough. Not what I was seeking out. You're too old. You're too young. You're not good enough. God can't use you. Your prayers aren't heard. God says to you tonight, be strong and courageous. God told Joshua, Joshua when he was on the very brink of the promised land. Joshua, be strong, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And the word remains alive for you and me today. We could take that promise that Joshua was given by God. Be strong, Joshua. Be courageous, Joshua. And we could live it out in our life. Why? Because Romans 15 verse 4 says that these things were written in former days for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The scriptures wasn't just written just to give us stories. The scriptures was written so that we could have instruction. What do you do when trouble comes? What do you do when you need wisdom? What do you do when you need direction? The scripture has been provided for us as instruction. But the scripture was also provided for us so that we could have the stories that were written within its pages to build us up for our encouragement so that we could have hope that when I face moments like the people in the word of God had faced, when I face a moment, a barren time in the land like Ruth and Naomi faced, I could know that there is a Bethlehem. There is a house of bread that I will come to, that I will be nourished by. We can know that like David, when the enemy seems to be crouching in on us, that there is a shepherd who sees us and that we can trust in him because he will lead us in the way. We could be like a Samson knowing that God will give us strength in every circumstance. Even when we make mistakes and reveal the secrets of God to the wrong individual and we lose our sight, God will come through again, rebuilding up our strength as he did with Samson. We could look at what was written in former days in the word of God 
and receive our instruction. We can hope in the midst of our fiery furnace. We could hope while our lives are, are living crucible before God. We can look through the flames and see that our Lord, the refiner, has proven himself faithful. He has proven himself as that real antidote of hope. The legacy of his word shows us of men and women time and time again who came through because of God's hand of strength. Deuteronomy 31 verse 2 to 8 shows us that when Joshua would have heard God say to him, Joshua, be strong and courageous, it would have been a confirmation to him what Moses had already said. When God said to Moses, and he said to them, I am 120 years old, I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. <clears throat> the Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them and that Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken and the Lord will do to them as he did at Sio and Og the kings of the Amorites into their land and when he destroyed them and the Lord will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go out with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God when he says it once, we, we pay attention. But when he says it twice, not only do we pay attention, but we need to listen and obey. God said through Moses, verse 6 of Deuteronomy 31, Be strong and courageous. Don't fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake it. Again in verse 7 and 8, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I want you to catch this very thing that I'm going to say. What, it, what will it take for us to see our trials not as a means to our end or destruction, but as a means to our promise? Can I say that again for you? What will it take for us to see our trials not as a means to our end or destruction, but as a means to our promise? that God has for us. Perhaps you're listening and, and you're not in a trial and, and this doesn't really apply to you. Once upon a time, maybe you were in a trial. But what does it equate all of this to you? It does. Because the Word of God says this. 
Isaiah 35, verses 3 to 4, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Translation. Encourage the exhausted and make staggering knees firm. Say to those with anxious and panic-stricken heart, be strong, fear not. Indeed, your God will come with vengeance for the ungodly. The retribution of God will come, but he will save you. He will save you. You've been through a fiery furnace. You've been through a trial. Right now you're not in a trial. Tomorrow you could be in a trial. But here is the crux of the matter. Encourage the staggering knees. Encourage that those that are weary. Encourage those that are exhausted. Because going through trials, going through adversity, going through the fire can be very exhausting. Can be at times making you weak, unable to stand, feeling as though you can't go on. But when a brother or sister comes alongside and holds you up and puts their arm around you, they're there to encourage you. How? Why? Because they once too were in a trial. Why? Because they know and accept that they will one day again face another trial. And as God was with them before, he will be with them again. And as God was with them, he will be with you. Encourage the exhausted, be strong. Don't fear. He will save you. Don't let discouragement derail you. I said it before and I'll say it again. Don't let it derail you from your purposes. If God has allowed this trial, if God has allowed this situation, he is carefully watching over the fire and you will come through. He will save you. But what about the times when discouragement is not lifting? What about the times when that trial that was supposed to be just for a period of time seems to be lingering on? What about the times when everything you could do, you've done, you've stood your ground, you've prayed? And the enemy just seems to be having his heyday. He seems to be having an upper hand in your life. And the heat of the fire is intensifying what about those times where is God then why does he seem to be deaf to the prayers why does he seem to be so far away why is he seemingly not doing what he has in his power to do oh you need to know this not once did he leave the fire not once did he take his eyes off you. It may seem as though he is quiet, but his eyes are fixed upon you in that fire. His eyes are focused on the height of the flame. He has not left your side. Take heart. Isaiah 35 verse 10, and I take it from the NIV because I like how it said, it says this, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing and everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. If some of you haven't recognized it, that was a song. 
it was a song years ago that we sh would sing, that we would go out with joy and be led forth in peace. Take heart, whatever was written in his word was written so that we can learn, so that we could have endurance to know that the Lord, the God that we hope in, he will be faithful. I think of those in the latter part of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. In the latter part of Hebrews 11, we read from verse 36 to chapter 12, verse 2, Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains of imprisonment. They, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, chapter 12, verse 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight that so e that let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We can have faith and courage just like they did. They were mistreated. They were flogged. They were in chains. But their eyes were fixed on the end. Their eyes were fixed on the truth of who Christ was. That though he endured such trials, they too could endure. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, what was that joy? That joy was you and me. That joy was you and me being redeemed by him. That joy was you and me spending eternity with him. You know what else? That joy was victory over a grave. That we will not die now, that, but rather we will live eternally with him. That joy was victory over darkness, over the principalities of the air. That joy was victory over despair, over discouragement, over every attack that the enemy may bring against you, over that despondency that wants to envelop you. That joy was knowing he has overcome it all. And this is why we can consider it joy when we face trials. Because those trials produce endurance. And endurance is what brings us through. Those trials, endurance, let me pause there for a moment and let you know. Endurance in the Greek means hupomeno. Hupo 
referring to under, coming under. Meno is to abide or to remain. So when you get the literal translation of hupameno, it means this, to remain under, but not simply with resignation, I'm just remaining under, but with a vibrant hope. With a vibrant hope. Endurance is remaining under with a vibrant hope. We can endure these troubled times knowing that we have a vibrant hope in Christ. When we consider that definition of endurance, we could look at James 1 verse 12 and understand it better when it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised for him. I like how the Christian Standard Bible says it. It says this, blessed is the one who endures trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What does all this mean? It simply means one word. It's living out one word. To remain. To remain. Remain as that crucible in the fire. The world says, fire! And everyone runs. But the word of God says, remain. Remain as that living crucible in the fire. When I was in school, as Many of you have been in school, but at the time when I was in, at the end of the semester, when we would have to write the final examination, everybody would be put into one room. The room could be the gymnasium, it could be the cafeteria, and the, the chairs would be all lined up as, uh, behind tables, or desks would be all lined up in a row. And just before the exam would start, the instructor would, would come to the front of the room, and the instructor would give the instructions as to what was to be done. After detailing everything, write your name at the top of the page, write the class that you are writing the exam for, write the code number. At the end of all the instructions would be this final instruction. Do not leave the examination room until the exam is completely over. You see, in though in that at that time, you didn't leave the examination room because you could be a, a distraction to someone else that was writing the exam. And so, in respects to everyone, when you were done your exam, you would turn your sheet over and you would sit quietly until the exam was over. Nowadays, they have special rooms that you could write in if you are distracted, but. You remained in the examination until the examination was over. Stay in the fire. Stay in the fire. Don't try to get out. Don't escape. When the enemy tells you to run, stay put. Stick out this test. Stay in the test till the end. Your endurance, you remaining, 
the hupameno of it all, if you remain, and this fire translates to this, you fully coming under the submission and control of God's powerful spirit. So that you with vibrant hope will walk through this fire. Because his promise to you is that when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, guess what? It's not really you walking though, is it? When we look at Hupumeno, it's actually God carrying us through the fire. When we submit to the full control of God in that fire, remaining under Him, it's actually Him carrying us through that fire. So what's the mystery? What's the mystery of this fire? What's the mystery of this hope, of this refining, of this reshaping, of this repurposing? It is for the glory of His reflection. You see, you don't come out of the exam, you don't come out of the fire until the reflection of the refiner is seen within you. Oh, the enemy may say run, but stay the course. The enemy may yell fire, but stay in. Don't surrender to that temptation to flee. Instead, endure. Instead, remain and take courage. Remain and take courage. Why? Because Matthew 24, 13 says this, But to the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Look around. Look around you. The examination is, room is full of those taking their exam. There's several hundreds in the examination room at one given time. There could be even thousands at one given time. Look around. You are not alone. You are not the only one. There are many others in this fiery adversity. Others are going through this testing. Stay the course. Don't get derailed. God has a purpose. He has a plan. How you live out this trial, how you press through this fire, how you endure to the end, speaks and translates to words in a language to those that are watching, to others that see your life. It speaks to the light of who is within you, and it speaks of the hope that he is alive in you. One hymn writer wrote it this way, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet or will walk by his side in the way. 
What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Why? Because trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That song was written during a time when D.L. Moody was doing some revival services in um, Brockton, Massachusetts during 1886. And the, the man who would be his uh, soloist, uh, Daniel Towner, during a testimony time, an individual got up, a, a man got up, and he says, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. And when this man uttered that thought, I'm not sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. He was going to surrender his life to Christ, but he wasn't sure. Towner immediately wrote those words down and he sent them by mail to his friend, Reverend Samus. Samus was a famous hymn writer who actually wrote this song, Trust and Obey. And when Samus received that message, I'm not sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. He penned the words to this song. And it's not easy for us. The words seem so simple. And the song you may find yourself humming for the rest of the evening. But they express the meaning, the feelings of many of us. They express the feelings of many of us because it's not easy to trust God in the fire. It's not easy to sit in the fire when the heat increases. It's not easy to surrender ourselves to the affliction that is before us. But we choose to obey. We choose to trust God. We choose to do what he has called us to do. God, I don't get it. I'm not sure about it. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey. It's not easy to go through the fiery trials of our lives. But if we stay the course, we will come through as pure gold. If we trust God. If we remain, if we endure to the end, we will find our happiness. And our happiness is found in Christ. Well, that's the end for tonight. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that in you we could find hope. In you, even when we're just not sure. When we don't understand why everything is happening the way that it is, we can trust you. We can obey you to stay the course, to remain under your strong arm because you are carrying us through. Your eyes have not come off the fire. You are watching the height of the flame. And Lord, at that precise moment when we reveal through our lives the reflection of you, you will redeem us from the fire. Lord, we thank you. We are not consumed. Though it gets hot, we are not consumed. Be with us, God, now as we uh, just close out this time of, of um, Bible study and as we each individually maybe reflect on what we have heard tonight. 
Lord, I pray that you would speak to that hopeless one and that you would infuse hope into them. Lord, that you would speak to that one that is in discouragement and despair and that you would breathe encouragement into them. Have your way, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we don't want you to forget uh, the the remainder of this week. We have our, our young adult service on Friday night with Stephen Bankars. That is going to be a night you don't want to miss. Uh, he has a powerful testimony of how God redeemed him out of the New Age movement. And, and uh, you know what? I'm not going to say anything more. You just come and hear his testimony. It, it truly is powerful. And uh, Sunday morning we'll be here as Pastor Dino continues on in his series, Modern Day Josephs. Next Wednesday night we will not be online. Uh, we are encouraging as many of you to come in-house as we embark on three days of prayer and fasting, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And so... If you are unable to attend uh, these days of prayer and fasting because of health reasons or because you are watching from another location, we encourage you next Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, March 1st, 2nd and 3rd, that you set aside those days as days of prayer and fasting and reading God's word so that you could be empowered. We will see you again the following week, March 8th, as we continue on in our series, The Joy and the Hope in the Fire. God bless you. God be with you. See you soon.